0: Hello everyone and welcome to Long Story Short, a podcast where we review two-sided topics on the minds of college students and condense them into informative, civil, 30 minutes or less in order to create wider campus discussions. Our Stories presents Long Story Short. a conversation about the Russian invasion of Ukraine on February 24th, 2022, and how students on campus feel about it. And here with us today is Evan Klaus. He is from Park City, Utah, and you would like you to know that he's native from Park City, Utah, not a California transfer. Um, he's a fourth year student here at the University of Utah with a dual major in political science and Russian with a minor in history as well. He's a president of Utah Student. Utah students studying Russian with a focus on international relations in an area of interest in Russia and Eastern Europe. How are you doing today, Evan?
1: Good, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing good. It seems like you were exactly the person to talk to about the current conflict that's going on.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's sort of an unfortunate situation regarding all this, um, but this has sort of been my area of study when I went into Russian and political science. This was sort of the area I really wanted to get into. So
0: That's awesome. Um, But yeah, it is quite unfortunate. If you would be willing to give us just an overarching um, summary of where things are as they stand right now on the uh, 19th of March.
1: In terms of Ukraine? Yeah, in terms of the Ukraine. Yeah, I mean, sort of, it's been, to put it into one word, it's been a mess for Russia. You know, sort of, well, there's all these leaked documents coming out that Vladimir was supposed to, you know, have... Basically, Ukraine on its knees by fourteen days. that's obviously not the case. Well two major cities have been captured. Kiev still stands strong. The Ukrainian people are united as ever before. you know we I, all over the internet, you can see the incompetence of the Russian military and sort of I don't know what's going to happen. you know you I think Putin's going to have to figure out something fast and soon because I don't see Ukraine falling anytime soon.
0: Just the tenacity of the Ukrainian people has been very admirable and pretty emotional to just observe from the other side of the world. Do you think there's any legitimacy to Putin's claim on Ukraine?
1: The There's always two sides to the story. There's sort of like the Russian narrative, and then there's the American narrative or the Western narrative. Mm-hmm. The Russian narrative, what they view is Ukraine has always been a part of Russia. Um, going back to when it first started, the Kievan Rus' They were all known as one people. Obviously, today, that's not exactly true. Through, you know, Western standpoint and everything, we believe in democracy, we believe in self-determination, all sorts of things like that. The problem is, is that it's programmed into the Russian mindset, sort of, that the former Soviet sphere should remain sort of tied close to the Kremlin. Um, And I think this is why you see Putin being so aggressive after these, what, the last decade with Ukraine, uh, because he saw Ukraine after like the Euro made in protest wanting to join the EU or moving towards that direction then rene- all this talk about joining NATO. James Wurst writes an interesting book called How Nations Remember and sort of how the Russian identity has been formed is that Russia is this like innocent state just laying there doing nothing wrong, not interfering or anything. And then the West... Basically attacks Russia, so what they sort of view it as is Napoleon's invasion of Russia. Russia did nothing wrong, even though obviously it was an empire expanding and everything. Soviet Union once again, they sort of view the Soviet Union was this perfect state. It totally didn't just carve up Poland with the Nazis, um, and then Hitler invades. So they sort of, and this is sort of the third round of that idea that Russia is being innocent again, and NATO and sort of the EU is pushing on Russia's borders and. Russia needs to defend itself before another large-scale invasion. Now, obviously, we don't see it like that, but you know, we all have our different identities and sort of stuff like that.
0: And when you say that Russia views itself this way, are we talking about the everyday Russian layman or are we talking about folks in the government or with some sort of power?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say it's definitely split. Like, as we see in the United States today, there's a clear split between the older generation and the younger. The thing we have to recognize about Putin and a lot of the high government officials and the oligarchs is that they're all Cold War veterans. They all grew up during the Soviet Union, or, yeah, in, within the Soviet Union, and this is sort of what they miss, what they reminisce. Um there's sort of, this, I feel like, a void because, you know, when the Russian Empire collapsed and the Soviet Union was built, essentially another empire replaced the Russian empire, you know, it wasn't an empire name, but basically everything as it did functioned as an empire. And I think this is what, you know, Putin said the biggest geopolitical catastrophe of the 20th century was the collapse of the Soviet Union. And we can sort of see how he does reminisce about it, even though he says he doesn't want it back. It's very clear that he's taking steps in order to restore sort of Soviet glory in today's political sphere
0: what What is your opinion on the mass sanctions that are against Russia? Do you think they're appropriate or necessary?
1: So <laughs> this is really hard too because I will admit I have tons of friends in Russia, and you know they've they've been struggling really hard, and you know there's this whole discourse going on right now is like is are these sanctions truly hitting the Russian economy where it matters and that's the oligarchs and high government officials. And from what I've seen, Putin has no intentions of stopping the war uh and from what I it just seems like the everyday people are suffering the most right now. Mm-hmm. Um and it's super hard and it's complex because it's like do we not punish Russia for what they're doing because obviously they do need to be punished. This is something extremely serious. But then there is like a humanitarian factor on the side too.
0: Yeah, I mean, like with all bad things that happen in the world, the person that ends up paying the bill is the normal everyday person, right? Not the oligarchs had another way around sanctions.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I can honestly say I've not met a single person, a single Russian who has supported this war. Yeah, and this, and as I said, there's a split in society, and this shows it that maybe the high ex-Soviet officials they want this, but you know, at the end of the day, a lot of Russians and Ukrainians view each other as brothers, you know, mm-hmm. sl- they're Slavs, so... And sort of through globalization and everything, like, a lot of people don't want to pick up a weapon and kill another person because we're so connected in one way or another. Even if you're not friends with a Ukrainian, you might watch a Ukrainian streamer on YouTube, watch a Ukrainian chef, a athlete, or something mm-hmm. like that, so... Yeah, oh well,
0: yeah. Do you think Russia will further invade Ukraine beyond the Donbass region?
1: Yeah, I mean... I think what Putin needs right now is a total capitulation of Ukraine mm-hmm. because he said he's not going to stop the war until Ukraine is neutral, won't join NATO and will denazify, which has been a very I don't I don't know what to make of that.
0: <laughs> so do you see no end in this other than Ukraine eventually being forced to capitulate?
1: I I don't yeah, I mean It's really tough because, you know, Zelensky went in front of Congress the other day, played a super emotional video. I'll admit, I I cried watching it because, you know, and I I think it's sort of, I think Ukraine can hold out for a while. It's either, you know, Russia is going to stop or Zelensky's is going to say enough with the bombings and everything because, and I I don't think he wants to do that. But I mean, like as we saw Russia hit Mariupol Theater the other day, there's 1,300 people trapped inside of it and... Yeah, it's, it's just a really bad situation.
0: Yeah. Do you see any actions that should be taken to further protect Ukraine's sovereignty? The ones that aren't being taken currently?
1: Well, I mean, probably Ukraine's best bet in in the discussion all of this is to join NATO, obviously. The, there is a ton of qualifications. I know they said they were just going to try to rush them in and a lot of European states have sort of came back on that. I do think it's... a. Uh, it is going to be a slow process. Um, but as we've seen, this has sort of awakened a lot of neutral countries. Finland, who promised always to be neutral, Sweden, they have now stepped in and said, Hey, maybe we need NATO because the worst or the best thing the West can do is sanctions because they don't want to go to war with another nuclear superpower. So I think NATO and you know, I think Ukraine will start moving towards you know, the Western sphere, especially after this. I never see Ukraine ever wanting, unless Putin installs a pro-Russian leader, Mm -hmm. which I don't think will happen because Ukrainian people won't want that.
0: Do you have anything you'd like to shout out, any resources that people can look towards for more information on this subject?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, obviously the one thing that's been brought up is like the information war. Just make sure you're checking like true sources. Um, I usually like watching or checking BBC a lot. They do that. Um, I know some, there's tons of fundraisers going on. Stand with Ukraine or shelter for Ukraine is a really good one I've heard. Um, and maybe over the next couple of weeks, I believe my organization, Utah Students Studying Russian, we might try to go forward and we're going to try to set up a fundraiser as well.
0: Yeah. Very awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Thank you.
2: Hey, long story short listeners, we're looking for people to fill positions this next semester. If you're interested in being a writer, podcast panelist, or interviewer for our team, please apply on the U Student Media website. We'll link it to our show notes.
0: Ben Moore is our second expert. You will know him as a panelist for this actual podcast. Ben Moore, not only being a panelist for this podcast, is also a third year student at the University of Utah studying peace and conflict studies and political science, as well as that in the fall semester of 2021, Ben interned in Washington, D.C. for a national security nonprofit organization. How are you doing today, Ben? I'm good. How are you? Doing fantastic now. So you said you want to give a disclaimer before you yeah, get into this conversation. Yeah, I
3: just want to make a disclaimer that I do not represent nor the, represent the views of the American College of National Security leaders or any other group that I may be affiliated with.
0: Awesome, awesome. Don't just in trouble.
3: get that out there. Don't want to get in trouble with anyone
0: exactly. that I you
3: know, may have worked with in the past.
0: Um, So jumping straight into it, can you give me your overall summary of the Russia-Ukraine conflict?
3: Right. So let's just start at the invasion of Ukraine, right? Vladimir Putin, president of Russia, gives a big speech, talks about how Ukraine doesn't actually exist as a state, that Russia created them, and so... That was uh, disconcerting. Then he goes on to say that they will be engaging in a special military operation for the denazification of Ukraine, which is also disconcerting in the um, Donbas region of Ukraine. It's just a region in the east of Ukraine that shares a border with Russia. He declared that region an autonomous republic essentially to give him some sort of cover for invading And then he proceeded to invade the entirety of Ukraine. So far, Ukraine has actually given up a pretty good resistance. They have gotten a lot of weapons, training, munitions from the West, which has really helped them. So we'll see. It's been honestly a pretty good fight from Ukraine so far, and I remain hopeful that they can come out on top.
0: How do you feel about Putin's claims on Ukraine not being a legitimate state?
3: Oh, it's, yeah, lots of words I'm not going to say here. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, that's just revisionist history. That's all I'm going to say on that. I
0: just don't even give air to it. What what actions do you think could be taken to further protect Ukraine's sovereignty?
3: Right now, the best thing that we can do is to continue to isolate Russia economically, continue to provide them with military assistance in the form of weapons, surface-to-air missiles to help from, you know, like planes coming in to bomb them or drone attacks – that sort of thing. I would love to see the US collaborate with Ukraine on building some sort of an iron dome, kind of like Israel has when they get like a lot of rockets from Gaza coming in. I'd really like to see that because that's a very effective air defense system that could be really important in protecting cities such as Kyiv and um, Lviv, some of the bigger cities that are under attack there. But um, right now, we just kind of have to wait it out and. See what happens.
0: What actions aren't being taken right now? Why do you think that is?
3: Right now, there some have called for actions such as sending troops into Ukraine under a NATO banner, the creation of a no-fly zone, which would essentially mean that NATO says no Russian aircraft, or I think any aircraft really, is allowed to fly over Ukraine, and if they do, we'll shoot them down. The problem with that is is you have to enforce it. So you get Russian aircraft, which are constantly in the air. We'd have to immediately start engaging, you know, scattering fighters to try and shoot down those Russian aircraft, and that's an act of war. That's essentially World War III, which is why I think that's a bad idea.
0: What What is your opinion on these mass sanctions that are going now against Russia and their people?
3: I think it is really sad for the Russian people that this is happening. Um... I don't know. I think there may be cases, I haven't looked at it super closely, there may be cases where you could not do one or two things, but I think for the most part, they are hurting the Russian elite, as well as hurting the Russian people, which is really, really unfortunate, but I think that's going to be an effective tool in the long run to force russia into
0: concessions so do you think it's appropriate to be using these sanctions even if they do harm everyday people
3: is it moral or is it appropriate like i don't know i'm very i'm morally conflicted about these sorts of things and you know it's stuff i have thoughts about all the time do i think that we don't have many other tools besides military action. And then this is the best worst option to try and force Russia to do something such as, you know, pulling out of Ukraine or you know, something along those lines to help create peace in the region. Yeah, I think it's the best worst option, but it's not it's not it's not good because it's hurting civilians. But I don't know that we have other options.
0: Do you think with the capture of Chernobyl um – Can that draw us closer to a global conflict?
3: I am concerned about the capture of Chernobyl, but I don't think that Putin is suicidal. I think... Because the thing about Chernobyl is if they caused a meltdown on that reactor, there would be radioactive dust spread throughout Europe, throughout Russia, and I don't think Putin wants that. I think it's partially a scare tactic um, to get people afraid to try and do what he wants, but... I don't think anything's going to actually come from that.
0: So you're calling the bluff on that one? I'll call the bluff on that one, yeah. How do you feel about Russian citizens being kept in the dark um, in regards to social media? seeing as this war is very clearly one that most of them do not support or want.
3: Yeah, I think that's really unfortunate. It's tyrannical behavior from the Putin regime. They are infringing upon their, you know, right to information, the right of the Russian people to know what's going on. And I think that's morally despicable. It's what authoritarian regimes do, though. It's what they do. And... It's just a reminder to us that we need to keep our press free.
1: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. What, how do you see this ending?
3: I'm not sure yet. I want to wait and see. I think there's a possibility it could end in Ukraine, the Ukrainian soldiers pushing the Russian army out of Ukraine. The Russian army is starting to implode from several reports. They will see. They've asked for help from China. We'll see if that happens. I'm doubtful that they'll get that assistance. So it's very possible, I think, that the Russian army could run out of gas, both figuratively and literally.
0: (laughs) So the only way you see this ending is through a war of attrition and somebody finally gives up.
3: Yeah, I think either Russia is going to get assistance and they'll be able to overpower Ukraine and then we'll have to go from there and... I honestly don't know what will happen. Probably a pu- uh, puppet regime put in by Putin or Ukraine will be able to prevail and push them out and then we'll see what happens. yeah, war is one of those things where information gets really cloudy. So I'm not sure.
0: It's very useful to speculate. Fog of war, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, do you have any closing ideas that you want to share?
3: I would just encourage everyone to... Seek out good sources of information, good correspondence. You know, sources such as like Ukrainian news itself, the Kiev Independent, Christopher Miller, the BuzzFeed correspondent for um, that region of Ukraine, has been very you know, informational on Twitter, social media. You can curate that on social media. A good source of information but just be careful what you see and that it's a credible source because there are all sorts of reports that come out all the time. And so I would encourage everyone to be very conscious of that.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, man. Of course. Hi, everyone. Hope everybody's doing well. Coming here live from the U of U, UCAS media room on the fourth floor of the union.
2: (laughs) You're just giving away our location, huh? Uh, We're we're about to get DDoSed.
0: We're going to go around the table, introduce ourselves. we got some new members. New members? A (laughs) new member. (laughs) A new member. member. Hey, I got excited. Uh, We're going to do name, pronouns, year in school, and major. Jorge, he, him, his, third year, and political science. Go beat now. I'm Vino. Uh, I'm he, him, his. I am a film major and I'm a third year.
3: Hey, I'm Ben, one of your experts today. Hey I, used, uh, he, I use he, him, his pronouns and I'm a third year political science and peace and conflict studies major.
2: Hi, I'm JJ. Uh, I go by she, her, hers. Uh, I am a fourth year English major. Uh, I'm Maya. I use they, them pronouns. I am in my third year studying history and political science. Um, And I just want to give a disclaimer. Riley Atkinson is not here today. And unfortunately, she is taking a hiatus from the podcast because she's been uh, promoted to audio director. So everyone give a round of applause for Riley. Round of applause.
3: Round of applause. Round of applause.
0: Uh, Yes. All right. Let's get started. Uh, Vino, your thoughts. Ben, I feel like we already got your thoughts, but yeah. give me your thoughts on your thoughts.
3: My thoughts on my thoughts? Yeah. Um, yeah, bad situation all around. Ukraine's done pretty well overall. Let's continue to isolate Russia economically and see if we can uh, squeeze Putin into some action.
0: Can this situation be boiled down to the fact that nuclear armaments are probably not a good thing for us as a race? Uh,
2: I mean, yeah,
3: as the human probably. race,
2: yeah, yes. Uh-uh. We should
0: not have
3: nukes, though I, people will have them. Just, so
2: Yeah, I mean, Russia wants to become a world power, yeah. right? That's what this whole thing is, and they already are because they have nukes. Mm. I think though, they just need to calm down. Though their economies red. less than the size of Italy that is so true and right now it's the worst (laughs) yeah the worst ever
0: (laughs) kind of i I don't like this term but kind of being the devil's advocate here (laughs) can there be an argument made for the fact that we have global nukes as a world because there hasn't been a full-scale war like there would be if there weren't Mutually assured destruction.
2: Well, yeah, I mean that's what. Yes. That's what the Cold War was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. It's absolutely.
0: Nukes. Yeah. But then we also had a million well, deaths between Vietnam and Korea yeah. and everywhere else.
3: Well, yes, because they didn't have nukes.
0: Well, yeah, but.
3: <laughs> I mean, it's more complicated than that. Yeah. But yeah.
0: We were fighting those wars because we couldn't fight the nuke people. Yeah. So is Ukraine just another proxy war? But the thing is, it's, it wouldn't even be a proxy war because we're not actually f- actively fighting in there.
3: Mm-hmm. It's an invasion of a sovereign nation. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's a little different than proxy wars in Afghanistan, Vietnam, Korea, to some extent. Well, weren't those invasions of? Yeah. Ultimately, um, the I goal said to for s- to some extent.
0: The goal for Russia is the same, all of, for all of them, and that's mm-hmm. controlling more of the world. I guess the question here is what can we do mm-hmm. in our position as university students halfway across the world?
2: Honestly, not a lot. I, I mean, I think there's a lot to be said about, I mean, the Russian people in that they don't want this war. And I, I do want to disclaim that um, in that this is Putin's war. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Very. So I just like, I don't know. It feels so weird because everyone is like, <clears throat> hating on Russia as an as an entirety. Mm-hmm. And while I'm certainly not pro war, <laughs> I do think that there are certain continuities. Ben, you are raising your hand. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're yes, not in
3: I class, my guy. Well you know, Maya, I know you want to be an educator someday. So I, do. I thought I'd just give you some practice. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Calling on people (laughs) raising their hands. Anyways, no, I was giving just gonna give a funny (laughs) quip about that. I saw a a thing on Twitter. It was um, like the Wisconsin Cheese Museum. Yeah, yeah. they They were were like, we have removed our Russian cheeses until. And I'm like, guys, what the?
2: Well, and I mean, I see a lot of people. I'm I'm on Tumblr. Yes, I said it. (laughs) I will admit that I'm on Tumblr, Um, and I follow Neil Gaiman because if you're on Tumblr, why wouldn't you? Mm. Yeah. So he has said that he will not publish books in Russia while this conflict is happening. Um, And someone asked him and was like, hey, I don't know why you're doing this. Literature is really important Mm -hmm. um, to people who are stuck in an authoritarian regime. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can understand where, first off, Neil Gaiman was coming in with this, Mm -hmm. saying like, I don't want to support an authoritarian regime, but also where this anonymous person was coming from and saying, like, literature is what keeps people critically thinking mm-hmm. in a regime such as this. Um, and so I, I truly don't know where I stand because it's a moral dilemma in being like, okay, I don't want to support this regime, but also the people in it, their freedom and their, uh, their freedom of speech is important. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I don't know. I don't know where I stand.
0: This is literally 1984. Yeah.
2: It's
3: it's difficult, you know. You don't want to do more to perpetuate the lack of information. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even like there was, who was it? It was uh, Representative Eric Swalwell from California. He was like, he sent out a tweet saying that we should kick all the Russian students out of U.S. um, universities and send them home. And you know, and there that's was, not any way to solve it. No, anything. it's 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 also available. do we want to have
0: why would we send them back? No, yeah. well, that do we make want I'd
3: say like give them gr- all green cards when they graduate yeah. instead, yeah. you know?
0: What are your thoughts, JJ?
2: Oh my gosh, I'm on the same as Maya, I'm torn. I it sucks to see everything, but there's literally, I mean, myself, college student, I'm, I have no place in this, I can't say anything because i have no power i can't i i mean i could donate but even then i don't know where the money's gonna go like donations are such a they say it and then maybe they're gonna go through with their word but i mean i, I can i see things happening and i'm like i i am nothing but a witness like i'm a bystander effect right now i can't do anything i want to do something but there's no way to speak yeah well and it's really a. Uh, a uh... Where was I going with this? Um, It's really an emotional dilemma, too, Mm -hmm. Um, because, I mean, we saw the the theater that was bombed that literally Mm -hmm. had the word children written on the outside of it. And so, like, when you see things like that, like, that's just plain emotion, right? For sure. So it's just, like, such a moral dilemma.
0: Mm -hmm. Ben, can you give me more information on these uh, U.S. representatives that are pro-Russian?
3: a pro-Russia? Well, who we got first? We've got um, Marjorie Taylor Green. Oh, good. Uh, going on about, you know, how the U.S. is funding neo-Nazis in Ukraine because there's like one battalion that is neo-Nazis in Ukraine. But, you know, so they're uh, expanding it out to the whole government, which is kind of ridiculous. Um, I mean, and this isn't a great rhetorical take. The president of Ukraine is Jewish. It's just there's a lot of Jewish people in Ukraine, and it's not – like the Ukrainian society is not neo-Nazi. It's just ridiculous takes like that. We have Madison Cawthorn, the um, guy that can't even drive anymore, got his license revoked for the second time. Well, he got, like pulled over for the second time driving on a revoked license. Um, he's called Zelensky a thug, which is interesting given that he's been maybe one of the uh, – most courageous leaders we've seen in recent times, the president of
2: Ukraine. He's a we, badass. Mm-hmm. We've got,
3: uh, <laughs> I mean, on the media side, we've got Tucker Carlson, who's explicitly featured on Russian TV, state TV, which is all controlled by the Putin regime, mm-hmm. talking about, you know, biolabs in Ukraine and all sorts of stuff. On that note, we've got Tulsi Gabbard, who's been pushing misinformation about that, and, you know, which is really weird to me given she was running for president a couple of years ago and the uh,
0: what is this biolab situation
3: so basically people were claiming that say people especially on the right and you know news media the Tucker Carlson's of the world were claiming that the US had funded biolabs in Ukraine and yet Russia was going to come and like or Ukraine was going to come and depending on who you talk to the narrative isn't super coherent honestly they are going to come and unleash these, you know, pathogens upon, you know, the Ukrainian people and the Russian people. Honestly, it's just a, a misinformation yeah. thing to try. It's just and a
0: conspiracy theory, consp- right? Exactly. A baseless conspiracy theory. <laughs> exactly. Oh, okay. I just want to clear that up because I've yeah. been hearing a lot about it, but it's, I didn't have a lot of information. It's a
3: conspiracy. I mean, that is to say, that's not to say there's no biolabs in the entirety of Ukraine, just not like they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, All right, I'll try. Um, uh, do we have any closing thoughts?
2: Um, just I mean what everyone's been saying, right? Like find correct sources. I see mm-hmm. a lot of people re-reposting things on their Instagram stories that are just plain lies. Mm-hmm. So, yes. you know,
0: On the other hand, <laughs> uh the ghost of Kiev has been debunked, but I don't yes. care he's real.
2: Oh, yes. <laughs> I don't care that man is real in my heart. <laughs> yeah.
0: I guess we'll end this podcast thinking sure. about the ghost of Kiev and holding them close to our hearts. It's yeah. Kiev.
2: Kiev. Kiev is the Russian right. pronunciation. Kiev. Kiev. Uh. Kiev. Kiev.
0: Kiev. Thank Kiev. 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 Anyway, See you. Anyway, <laughs> right. bye. And that's been a long story made short. Thank you for listening. Long Story Short is an affiliate of our stories and University of Utah Student Media. And please make sure to list our social medias. Our stories, O-U-R dot S-T-O-R one E-S on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and soon to be TikTok. And you'll also find our handles on the description of the podcast below. Thank you. Special thanks to Connor Nygaard and Parker Service for audio editing, Maya Harris and Riley Atkinson for the intro and cover graphics, and the University of Utah.